I needed that. I don't know if you did, but I did. And thank you, team. Uh, just thankful to so many people, Pastor Chris, Chris Alley, so many just helping with putting this together and doing this. And uh, thank you. Um, I completely understand what it is to get a Friday night and a Saturday morning uh, free, um, whatever that means. And uh, seriously, that you would uh, work at sacrificing your time to be able to do this tells me a whole lot about you and uh, your willingness to be here. And I want for you to know we are praying that this would be um, foundational for you. Whether you have children, whether you don't have children, whether your children are out of the home like ours, woohoo! Um, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. Um, yeah, let me just tell you many years ago, Karen and I, we had uh, two little ones, and um, they were little. They really were. And it's hard to remember that far ago, but they were. And I think, I don't know, they were about three and one or somewhere in this picture here. And, um, you know, we were, uh, I was in business. Uh, we had two little kids and um, was raised in a pretty good home. And we had these little boogers and I think we were like, I, I have no idea what we are doing. You ever feel that way? I mean, literally, it was like, I hope this is right. Um, and it was really by God's providence that the Lord connected us up with a couple in our church. And actually what attracted us to this couple was not the couple, it was their two kids. They had a boy and a girl, 10 years older than our kids. And we saw them and we thought, oh man, if our kids could be like those kids, game on. And so actually we got to know them through their kids because we saw their kids and we're like, I have no idea if it's them or if they just like hit the jackpot on good kids. But we literally purposed ourselves to be around Randy and Cindy and uh, for years and years. Uh, it turned out that Randy and Cindy uh, would actually lead conferences on things, on marriage, on parenting and other things. And so we would go to these conferences, and we went to them, and, and we were like, why didn't anyone tell us this kind of stuff before? I mean, I grew up in church, and I, no one ever taught and told and gave help like that. And, and I kid you not, we went year after year after year, and, and I, truly, we could just about lip sync the marriage and the parenting conferences. But what we noticed was is that in our life, going again and again and again, we needed the reminder, but life changed over time. And certain things hit at different periods of time. And I will tell you that without question, our life would be not the same. I mean, just from a human standpoint, I'm looking at it. Truly, I mean that would not be what it is. And our kids would say the same thing if both Luke and Emily were here tonight. They would tell you had it not been for that mentoring that was poured into our lives back in the day. Um, I, I don't know what they would be doing today. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Um, thank you for being here. Um, parenting is hard work, isn't it? It really is. And by the way, if you're here and you're not a parent, I am so thrilled you are here. Um, so very cool. Um, but I, I want for you to know, as hard as parenting is, you need to know this. Parenting 
is eternal work. And for some right now, you might be in a place to where you're just ready to stick your head in the garbage disposal and turn it on. (laughs) That was pretty graphic, wasn't it? (laughs) Maybe not that graphic. You got the idea. But you already, and listen, this is eternal stuff. This is eternal stuff with what's going on. So let me tell you the plan so I get, get out of this hole. Um, here's the plan for tonight and tomorrow from kind of our teaching time. Tonight is, and the reason I have these up here, tonight is about the blueprints. And we'll be talking about blueprints here in just a little bit. But blueprints are critical. Blueprints provide a variety of drawings in them that we're going to kind of be basing this off of. And and every illustration falls apart at some point. But I'm just trying to help you remember some of these things. And so blueprints provide the technical drawings. Listen to me. Blueprints do not build a thing. Blueprints themselves do not build a thing. You can know the thing, but it takes action to build the thing. And yet, without the blueprints, you're just, you're just building. And it's going to look wackadoodle, right? I mean, because it's like, I don't know, today let's do that. Uh, next week, let's do that. But blueprints help to direct you and move you along. So we're going to talk here in just a little bit about the master plan, a construction schedule and construction drawings. Uh, those are there in your handout for tonight. Tomorrow is kind of this part of it, getting to the toolbox. What are the tools in the parent's toolbox for parenting? What does God's word have to say about that? So tonight it's the... And tomorrow... Okay, the toolbox. So that's where we're going. Um, God help us, right? God help us. I have no idea what's going on in your home, most likely, but I do know this. There is a God who knows, and a God who cares, and a God who has provided you with a master plan blueprint set, and he wants to work with you, okay? Listen, if you come tonight and you are desperate and hurting, the Lord loves you. Okay? You just need to know that and be encouraged by it. Lord, help us, right? Okay, let's go. The master plan. Every set of blueprints has a master plan. In fact, on this front page here, this is a development plan amendment uh, on here for some things we're working with with, uh, with the uh, parking lot. And you can see it's a master plan. It's the big picture of what the whole 23 acres here is all about. That's the big picture. Now, in light of last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, we talked about Noah, Genesis chapter 6. Remember that? So we're talking about Noah here this last week. So I'm going to bring him in here and there. But I would say this. God gave Noah a master plan. He gave him a master plan. I mean, here's the deal. Noah is living in a corrupt, depraved world. And all of a sudden, God shows up. And God gives him a plan. And in fact, if you go through Genesis 6, it's really not in high detail. It's, it's a general plan with what's going on. And bottom line on the master plan, he's saying this. Hey, Noah, build a boat. <laughs> Construct a boat up. Oh, okay, that sounds awesome. Um, what else did he tell him in that? By the way, it's day in, day out over like a hundred years. Hey, thank the Lord, parenting is not a hundred years long. 
but there's a dynamic to it that's like that, isn't it? Because sometimes you're just like, cut down the tree, haul the tree, place the tree. What are we doing after three and a half days? Cut down a tree, and that's kind of the way it is with parenting at times. Sometimes you're just like, are we going anywhere? I mean, are we really, it's slow building. It just is, and and Noah had that reality. Also, Noah had a time limit reality to it. Beginning of chapter 6 in Genesis, 120 years, and God's going to bring judgment in. And there was a time frame to it. By the way, as we'll mention here in a second, there's a time frame to parenting, Okay. Um, also, it was a divinely given task within God's redemption story. Know this, you and I live within a big story. Our story is part of a big story. We're not separated from that story. We're part of that story. And you raising your child, your children up in the Lord is part of God's redemptive plan. It matters. It's part of eternity. Listen to me. The degree will burn. The bank account will disappear. If it hasn't already. <laughs> uh, but they will remain forever. This is eternal stuff, not convenient stuff. This is eternal stuff that we're talking about here. And by the way, God just didn't say to Noah, hey, Noah, go raise up, build a boat, and then God just leave it there. God gave him a master plan. In the text, he gave him the material, he gave him the dimensions, and he gave him the general plan to build a boat. Not, not, not a factory, not a car, but a boat. And God does the same thing with us. In fact, I'm going to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 128. Obviously, we're in the very beginning of the Bible, and here in the master plan, what is that? Genesis 1.28, it says, and God blessed them. Who are we talking about? Adam and Eve. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Hey, number one on the master plan item here. God invented parenting. It didn't just happen. It didn't evolve. It didn't like X-Men out of nowhere. God invented parenting. What you are doing, or when we talk about this subject, this is something that God cares deeply about because he invented it, okay? Remember that. God invented this, not some uh, Billy Bob out in a cornfield somewhere. God did. Secondly, along with this, from Genesis 1.28, uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6. Second thing I'd say is God purposed parenting. He didn't just say, hey, raise up, have kids, and have more of them. God gave them a master plan with it. Ephesians 6, 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but here's the thing. But bring them up. Listen, if you want to know what your job is as a parent or what any parent's job is, that's it. Bring them up. Bring them up. By the way, it doesn't mean just provide a roof. It's not talking about just a roof and food. It's talking about something far bigger than that. We're going to get more into Ephesians 6.4 tomorrow. 
But, but it's this idea of raising up, bringing up, and kind of with the illustration that we're using here, think of this, you're constructing up. You're building piece at a time like Noah is building a boat. But the cool thing is you're not building a boat, you're building a kid. Okay? And in this, uh, as this moves along, know this Psalm 139, God created this child, these children. In Psalm 139, it's so beautiful. Later on, we'll, we'll go there. It talks about how God knitted them, formed them, shaped them, made them. Before they were even a thought, before they were even real, God had already constructed them together. And so this is something that is not only just God invented, but God purposed, and God has put his fingers all over this thing. Listen, your child, at times, you look at your child or children or or someone you know that has children, you look at them and you're just like, they are so beautiful, and yet, five minutes later, they're not. (laughs) But know this, they are the handiwork of God. And by the way, so are you. So are you. Created in his image. By the way, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way she should go. That's the task. That's what it is. God invented parenting and God purposed parenting. By the way, in Ephesians 6.4, train up, raise up. Uh, In the Greek, it's called a present active indicative verb. It means it's something that is not just you did it yesterday or you did it last week. It's a continuous action. It's presently, actively, uh, indicative continuously is the idea. So it's raising up now, and then now, and then now, and then, then, then again now. And so it's not that, well, I did. By the way, if you're away on a trip and you're not home somewhere or with the kids, you are still to be presently, actively, indicatively bringing up your child. It's not just the FaceTime. It's the all the time. Parents have been gifted this image of God creation, and, and it's this day in, day out, raising up, constructing, not a boat, but a child. And friends, I'll just say, the, the, all of Scripture just screams that parenting is about far more than the daily annoyances. And if you have children... Easy to get caught up in the daily annoyances, isn't it? Oh, we know. Been there. And so let me say it this way. There is something far bigger than just changing diapers going on. There is something far bigger and greater than making sure that uh, little baby Sally doesn't throw her food on the floor anymore. It's far bigger than Johnny not learning to not hit his sister. Those are important, but, but it's far bigger than, than learning to do your homework. It's far bigger than making the basketball or football team. It's far bigger than that. There is something far bigger than your child being able to state the books of the Bible, including the Old Testament and the Minor Prophets. No, don't ask me to do it. There's something far bigger than that. 
There's something far bigger than even having them going to church and sitting well and paying attention. There ultimately is something far bigger than just that. There is something far bigger than them getting good grades. And there is something far bigger than them being successful in life. There is a God who created them. And he loves them. And he wants to have a relationship with them. Parenting is far bigger than the struggle with the annoyances. No, that's a big struggle. It's divinely designed and divinely entrusted to you. You have a child, or one day you have a child, or you're working with someone who has children and helping them remind them this is a divine task that God is very, very interested in. It's to raise them up for His glory. The master plan. Let me transition to this the construction schedule. The schedule. Because in this, I think there's some great hope. You are not always to be parenting. But Doug, you just said present active indicatively. Got it. For a season. For a season. Let's talk about this. You may always, you will always be a parent if you have a child. But there is a season to parenting. Say that again. You may always be their parent. You will. I still call my mom, mom. But the parenting has only a season. Be encouraged by that. Okay? Be encouraged by that. What do I mean? Let's talk about this. Genesis 2.24. Let's go back. Genesis 2.24. Huge passage here. We're in the beginning of creation Uh, Sin has not come into the picture yet. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 24. Would someone read that? Just uh, read it loud so everyone can hear that. Okay, remember, this is before sin came into the picture. This is when everything was really, really good and perfect. And so here's what's going on. Four things here kind of under this construction schedule. Let's build the thinking here. Number one, there is a structured season for parenting. Now, we learned this as leave, cleave, and weave coming off of that passage. Look at the passage. You see it there. Uh, What's the first thing? Leave. Leave. (laughs) And if you're an adult and you're on your own, married, single, Hey, here's the tr- a truth for you. You are to leave your parents. And sometimes over the years, I've had to have some conversations with some folks where it's like, it's time to leave. Cut the cord with it. Move on. God's designed it that way. And, and that means leave. So uh, leave, and then it says, leave your father and mother, and then cleave to your wife. And, and the majority of the time, people get married. God designed that. It's not all the time, but in that, that's kind of the norm. So it's when a person becomes an adult, when they get married in this, they leave mom and dad, and they 
cleave to their spouse, right? Cleave there, leave there, cleave there. And then the text says the two shall become one. It's this idea of knitting together, kind of in a, maybe towards a, a woman's viewpoint. It's knitting it all together. It doesn't happen immediately. Have you noticed that? If you've been married for a little while, like you still got some knitting to go, don't you? Always do. By the way, maybe for guys, you could put it this way. It's two pieces of metal. Back in our business, it used to be that. way. You take two pieces of metal and you make a weld. It becomes one. No, 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 no. it's not one because you can still see that you're two. And over time through, this is really applicable, heat (laughs) and grinding force, (laughs) you have to grind that well down. Ultimately, you want it to look like one piece of metal. That's what the text is talking about here. Leave father and mother, cleave to your wife, leave become, weave becoming one flesh. Second thing here, Karen, come on up here. Uh, Second thing here is there's a structured design. This is called temporary, permanent, temporary. I got to tell you, this for us, I would think we would agree, this was huge, actually, both of these. None of these are new. These are things we learned like eons ago, and the Lord has used in our life with that. So uh, temporary, permanent, temporary, what is that? Well, let me kind of use it. I'll use it in my life. I was born to my mom and dad, Jerry and Janice. And so I was born there to them, and uh, we had their three brothers. I was the youngest, and, and I was mom's favorite. And so, <laughs> that's supposed to be funny, um, <laughs> in this, and so there was a reality here. Wait, we just saw leave, cleave, weave. Eventually, Doug left that. By the way, do you see, there's a temporariness to this relationship. You see that? My, now, I will still, I always call my mom, mom. My dad's passed away. I've stepped to father. So I call them mom and dad with that. But, but, but eventually, the idea is, is that they are no longer my authority. Over here, I honor and obey. Over here, I don't have to obey. I am out from that role. By the way, I'm kind of talking to some of us older parents They leave, they don't obey anymore. There's an honoring that goes on, but the obedience leaves. Why? Because Doug married this hot chick, okay? And so when I left there, and this becomes a whole new relationship, that had a temporariness to it. This has a permanent thing to it, is God's design. And then out of that, we had Luke and Emily, our two kids. There's been a temporariness to that. Why? Because they don't live with us anymore. Some days it's like, oh, I miss them. Other days it's like, yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> and so there's a temporary, so they have moved. Got the picture? Temporary, permanent, temporary. By the way, this is something for everyone in this room. Where are you at in this? And are you living this? That means sometimes when you get married, oftentimes we've seen in the past of working with people that, that a wife sometimes has a hard time breaking from dad. And when they want to get counsel about something, they go to dad before going to the husband. Stop it. Nothing's wrong with asking dad for some input, but this is the unit. Sometimes in the past, we've seen it to where guys have this thing with mom. Isn't it just interesting? It's like everybody loves Raymond kind of a thing. You know, with with mom kind of a thing. And sometimes it's like, stop it, guys. Stop it, guys. Cling to her. There's a leaving of that. Honoring, but no more obeying. No more under their authority. And so for us, 
we'll talk about in our workshop tomorrow with those of you who are in our stage of life, that means that you have to let them go. Another subject. Karen, why don't you pick up on the third thing? Yeah, you know, in, in order to do this leaving, cleaving, and weaving, and the temporary, permanent, temporary, what we've got to do if, is, first of all, have a God-focused life ourself, right? Our goal as believers is to know the Lord, love the Lord, walk with the Lord, make him our highest delight. And then out of that, we want to have uh, God-centered homes. And you can have this whether you're single or you're married. At a God-centered home, there's a few things that it looks like. The Bible is the source of truth, in your home, if you have a God-centered home, worshiping God is your central focus and purpose. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. Um, and then loving and serving one another is a key marker of a gospel, a God-centered home, and doing everything for God's glory. And the gospel is the theme, who Christ is and what he has done and how we can live for him is, is the theme of it. And the heart is the target in a God-centered home. Now, when we're doing those things, then we're going to have a right view of God. We're going to have a right view of ourselves. We're going to have a right view of others. And we're going to have a right view of marriage. And when that happens, then we can leave, cleave, and weave because we understand God has said in, in uh, Genesis 2 to leave, cleave, and weave because the marriage is the permanent relationship. And I love in Ephesians 5 where marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Christ is not going to leave his bride. That is a permanent relationship. So you think about that with our marriages. If marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, that is permanent. Our relationship with our children as their authority is temporary. Now, when we don't live like that, um, when we don't live in that temporary, permanent, temporary, when we don't leave, cleave, and weave, when we're not having a God-centered marriage, we easily fall into the ditch of having a parent-centered, or I'm sorry, a child centered home. Okay. A child-centered home. Here's your definition. A child-centered home is a home in which the child believes and is allowed to behave as though he or she is the center of the universe. Everyone in the family, everything happens and revolves around them. Rather than God-centered, just think about that. When God is the center and we're all revolving around him, Things go in order. When the child is the center and everyone is living to please that child, we have a lot of problems. Here are top 10 signs that your family is becoming child-centered. Okay, number one, there are no consequences when the child sins. They get away with disobedience. You're child-centered. Um, selfishness is allowed to rule the day. Okay, we are all naturally selfish. Got that. But when we don't help our children get out of that and grow out of that and learn to live for the Lord and learn to live for others, and we'll let that selfishness grow in their hearts, and everything is about them. Um, what we eat for dinner is dictated by what little Susie or what little Johnny will or will not eat. When we eat... Uh, when we go to bed is dictated by little Johnny or Susie. Where little Johnny and Susie sleep 
is dictated by them. Those are all signs that we are allowing that selfishness to rule. And when we keep that up, when we constantly give in to their selfishness, then we've created a child who is demanding. And now they expect it to be that way, right? At first, they just sort of tested the waters. Yeah, I wonder if I say all I'll eat is macaroni and cheese, if all I'll get to is macaroni and cheese. And if we do that, then we've created a little monster and they begin to demand that. Okay, another sign that our house has become a child-centered is that children are allowed to interrupt adults when they are talking. That is a bugaboo of mine. Children should not interrupt. Okay, uh, when children can use manipulation to get their own way, this would be the temper tantrum, right? They throw a temper tantrum. Oh, oh, it's okay, it's okay. I'll give you whatever you want then. Or they pout, maybe a teenager, the sullen teenager who, you know, slams the door and, you know, pouts and what. So then we coddle them. Oh, honey, I didn't mean it. It's okay. I'm sorry. So that's child-centered. And when the children take precedence over the spouse, you know, if you're talking with your spouse and little Johnny or Susie come up and everything, okay, I'm sorry, sorry, honey, I got to go to them. I got to do this. Or how about this? How about if you don't ever go on a date night because you don't want to leave Johnny and Susie? They've become way more important. Or I'll step on a few more toes. You don't ever go away for a weekend because you can't leave little Johnny or Susie. Okay, I think you've become a little bit of a child-centered home. Another sign, when, you have, when your children have no responsibilities and the parents do everything, you got a child-centered home. When they have no chores, nothing that they're responsible for, no, no participation in the family life, and in supporting the family life, and you're catering to them, that's child-centered. Um, and when communication is, uh, the child thinks that he has an equal vote in everything and speaks to you as though he's your equal, you've got a child-centered home. And uh, number nine is when you're afraid to make your child upset or angry so you don't discipline them because you know if you take away that iPod, they're going to have a fit, so you don't do it because that would make them mad, and I don't want to make my baby mad. I want him to like me. Then you have a child-centered home. And the last one is if, you're, if your children don't respect you, when they treat you like you're their peer, you've created a child-centered home. So there are just a few little signs that as you're thinking through your family life, maybe there's a couple check marks you can put by, ooh, you know, I think we are kind of falling into that ditch. Um, and that's not what God would want. When God-centered and his truth and his word is where we go for how to live with our husband, how to live with our children, those things will change. So we really want to focus on um, creating children who foster a love for the Lord within them. We can't make our children love the Lord, but we want to make him beautiful, to them. We want to make following him and loving him and surrendering to him be the best thing they could ever possibly want to do. And we do that by having a God-centered marriage. So child-centered, the child thinks life revolves around them. Uh, God-centered or marriage-centered home then is we all revolve around the Lord and what he would want. Okay. And here's one of the things. If you're sitting here right now and you're like, Man, all 10 of those are like parts of our home. Welcome. 
I mean, seriously, be. in yeah. that. Because in it, it's the type of thing. Here's the, it's raising up. That's the idea. It's not that, listen, I promise you, our kids did not come out understanding that they were not the center of the universe. Okay? And yet, so it's a raising up and this pattern in that. And so we're seeing this and we're guiding them along through the process. Just with our kids, you know, we could say that like Luke, when Luke was born, you could have had 10 of Luke. Uh, He's compliant. He was just, in fact, in elementary school, his nickname was Happy Helmer. And uh, he was just that way. He was like the sweetest, he truly was, just I'll cry. He was the sweetest, sweetest kid. Emily... (laughs) <laughs> wasn't quite that way. Um, Not to start out with. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. When, when Emily, it was, we, I used to say, Emily was born mad. And uh, Luke was just born happy. And yet in it, and in many ways, Emily was our challenge with so many of these. However, Luke had it subtly internally Emily had it out, and you could see it. Yeah. And so both of them is still raising them, whether you have subtle, quiet, holding it in, compliant on the outside. The question is what's going on in their heart in this and what's going on in your heart with them. Okay. And honestly, we probably fell into all 10 of those ditches oh, of a child-centered home. You're going through those, and I'm right. like, oh, I remember that. So what we're talking that. about is a pattern. <laughs> how re- how yeah. are, you, are yeah. you um, fostering that all of the time? Is that how you normally live your life? Yeah, we all fall into those, yep. those 10 things And so sure. it, 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 we'll see here in a little bit, we're battling with sinful hearts. Mm-hmm. And they want control. In it, and so it's uh, in this. There's a there's a schedule now. See where we're building here. If you, if you can see this, it, it, the first one is structured season. It's what? Three words. Leave, cleave, weave. You understanding that? Okay, Genesis two twenty four. Leave, cleave, weave together uh, in that. Then we've got the structured design. What are the three? Okay, so when you were born to your parents, you you that was a temporariness to it, then when you left, there's a permanence as an adult, uh, and as, if you get married, there's a permanent relationship with that. I would say if you're single, there's a permanent relationship with the Lord in that. And, and then when you have children, there's a temporariness. So hear me on this. If you have children, little children at home, I want to lead into the next thing. So one, not a child-centered home, but a marriage-centered home, if you're married, okay? A God-centered home. Now, the fourth thing is this, the goal of parenting. And I'm just going to be, I don't want to over-exaggerate here, but I'm going to tell you this was the life changer for Karen and I with our kids right here. Uh, we didn't make this up. We stole it. Um, here it was for us. Our goal was to raise our kids to leave home, we used to say it, equipped to handle life biblically, I kind of expounded a little bit now. Our goal was to raise our children to leave home seeing and handling life biblically for God's glory. Now, let's talk about that just for a second here. Uh, notice there's a season to it. Uh, it's, it's a season's change, and it's raising up, equipping them to what? To, to leave. Listen, if you have a brand new baby, Chris and Jen... You should right now be understanding one day 
they go. It will change how you parent if you think that way. If you don't think that, you don't ever think of them leaving, and I promise you, you will not be an equipper. Equipping them to leave. It's for a season. It's a season of equipping. Was that? Can I just add to that? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. how that really changed our parenting was um, we realized that the moment of, of, of discipline or when they were doing something that we wanted to change, it wasn't about that moment. It was about what's coming. Someday your two-year-old will be in school and they can't throw fits right? They've got to learn how to control them. But someday we want them to obey the Lord. So obeying us is helping prepare them for obeying. Someday they're going to have a job. They've got to learn how to work so that when that day comes, so you see how you're, you're very future, very, very forward focused, I think. That was what really... There are realities that children go through, and Karen's going to kind of want to pinch me on this, go through stages. But when you use stages as an excuse for sin, stop it. Because here's the reality. They're sinning right on time. That's what it's really, cut the stage talk. Because it's like a stage, it's just like, let's wait for a year, and then they'll be lovely. Yeah, just add five. Just add five, just add ten. And the stage idea, no, no, they're sinning right on time. And so we're out front, we're equipping them. So we're, it's a season, it's equipping, we're equipping them not any kind of way we want. God doesn't say, just raise your kid up however you want. Uh, we'll be talking more about that uh, tomorrow. But equipping them biblically, uh, using God's word. And I'm not saying having them memorize God's word is the nugget in it. It's using God's word, we're equipping them for it. By the way, it contains this idea that one day it's going to be their choice as to what they choose to follow. For some of you, you either have or you will have some heartache with your children ahead. We know a number of families here who are in our stage of life and their adult children have made some really bad choices. They have uh, just bagged the whole God thing and and have walked a different direction. You need to understand this. Your child will have to make a decision one day. And you do not have the power to wire them to the Lord. Say that again. You do not have the power to wire them to the Lord. Okay? That's not your job. Your job is raising them up in, realizing that they make a choice. How many of you have been in where your parents are like, man, I wish I could have hardwired you. But you've got to go through this. It's a Lord thing. Okay, so we've got to keep on moving. So the goal of parenting is what? You say it to me. At least what we've used and we encourage people to consider using. What is it? Okay, let's go to the construction drawings. Okay, we've covered the master plan. We've covered this idea of a schedule. Your parenting is for a season. It only goes so long. Again, our kids are out of our home. They're married in, in that stage of life. They still call us mom and dad, all right? Uh, but our parenting 
as it used to be has ended. No, I am going to say it that way. Has ended. We are in a new season. Okay? And, um, yeah. All right. Drawings. Drawings come with uh, uh, sets of drawings in it, and I want to, we've got two things, you can see them there, the construction drawings, and let's hit drawing set number one, and I've called this under construction parents. Uh, Turn to Colossians chapter two, Colossians chapter two. It, uh, I will tell you, this is the one that generally parents want to just get over. I'm not going to let you. You just want to get on to your kid. And I get it, because I just want them to grow. <laughs> I don't want to have to grow, <laughs> okay? But we got to park here for a couple. Um, under construction parents. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It says, what does it say? Oh, I'm in Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Colossians, Habakkuk. All right, here we go. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Listen, this is what the Christian life is all about, okay? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's the first part of it, uh, coming into relationship with Christ, not just knowing about God, but coming to understand our condition before God and our need for a Savior, and receiving Christ Jesus as our Savior, driving that stake in the ground as I talk about it here, driving that stake in the ground, not just knowing about it, but I am going to receive Christ, I need Christ, receiving Christ. It's not over then. It's then, it's, it's the beginning of it. That's the start of it. Now it's about developing, as it talks about, walking in him. Man, that fit two weeks ago in Ephesians 4, right? Walking in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. And the text has this idea of it's a constant movement. Here's the deal. We are all under construction. You have not arrived. I have not arrived. I have the job title of a pastor. Woo, dingy, dingy. Listen, I'm a sinner. I'm growing. I'm trying to figure this out. Okay? We're all in this together. And we are all under construction. And parents who don't understand that in themselves, you're going to be a hard parent to live under. There won't be humility. There won't be understanding of the Lord, of grace, of life. Let me just mention a couple of verses you can write down. Romans 8, 28 and 29. Uh, And we know that all things work together for good. People love to quote that, but forget verse 29. What's the good? That you would be conformed to be more like Christ. Everything that happens in life is good because a sovereign Lord is using it to conform you to be more like Christ. That's what is the gold of the life in Christ. Another one, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Uh, Life trials are about our maturing in Christ. I think we could agree parenting seems at times to be an ongoing life trial, doesn't it? Honestly, I'm not trying to badmouth parenting. It's hard. And it seems like a life trial, and it's like you just get past where it's like the kids are just getting to where you want them, and then it's like, they're sinning again right on time in the next stage (laughs) of it all. Uh, James 4, 1 through 4, I love this passage. James 4, 1 through 4, it says, why are there fights and quarrels among you? 
in your home had some fights and quarrels? Is it not because of the war that's going on within your own heart? That's why we fight. Because I want what I want, and you want what you want, and we're going to duke it out till I get what I want, and you give me what I want. That's what James 4 is saying. Why are there farts? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, the last verse I am moving on. Uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, it talks about get the log out of your eye before you get the speck out of someone else's eye. And I would suggest this, that's talking and uh, in applies to parents as well. Hey, listen, if you're going to be hard on your kid, you better be hard on you. No, you better be harder on you. It's this idea of you take your sin more serious than your kids. And so when you see your sin, going, your, your kid going, rah, rah, in anger, and you're like, rawr, 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 after anger, Matthew 7, step back, get the log out of your eye, and by the way, sometimes that means you need to go to your child and ask for their forgiveness. Has your child ever heard their mom or dad come to them and ask for forgiveness? Not an apology. Will you forgive me for the sin of anger that I just displayed a little bit of go? Will it's all right, mom? No, look at me. Will you forgive me for that? Yeah, mom, I forgive you. Sorry, I'm telling you, those are the sweetest moments, and those are the moments that I miss. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Parenting is first about a parent growing and changing. Parenting is first about the parent growing and changing. Your parenting is a snapshot or a living picture of your own heart. Yeah, let's do this. Let's... let's Let's take this illustration real okay. quick, all right? All right. Hey, uh, Julie, Robbie, uh, Nick, Jill, could you help us here? Okay. So what's a way you can, we can remember this? Um, okay. There's a thing called Amazon. And um, here you go. Everybody gets a construction hat. All right. And can you help pass them around? Give them around to everybody. All right. And you have to put it on. And these are like kid size too, which is even better. <laughs> hey, I'll be a dork. That's all right. All right, everybody get one, put it on. And then Nick and Jill or, or Robbie and Jill are putting the, man, this is like not staying on. <clears throat> and uh, are running the construction tape around here, all right? By the way, I've got an assignment for you taking these home tonight. All right, wrapping around. Here's the thing. As we get the helmets on and we're wrapping this around, I want for us to know Karen and I are inside this, all right? But, but it's, this is the construction zone. Got it? You guys look awesome. <laughs> Dorky, but awesome. <laughs> okay, got it? This is the construction zone. And so often as parents, we think our kids are the construction zone, all right? That um, 
parenting reveals our hearts, right? Reveals the sin that's going on in our hearts. So I thought about um, some idols of, of a parent's heart, and I've never had any of these. Never. I just, I look them up in a book, and this is what I read. <laughs> okay, so one idol we can have is I call it the idol of self-righteousness, and Doug just sort of touched on that. That's when I have to be right all the time, and I will never say I'm sorry, or please forgive me, or I was wrong. Okay, that's the idol of self-righteousness. Um, how about the idol of control? Maybe you're a helicopter parent. I got I to control everything. I got to make sure that Susie isn't full. I got to make sure that, you know, that's that. If I can just control everything, everything will be okay. Um, the idol of self-importance. I thought about this one. Um, that's when you neglect to spend time with your kids because you have much more important things to do. I'm, I have much more important things to do than, than spend time with my children. Besides, that's women's work. Children are women. That's, that's my wife's job. I have to do these other important things. Or women, we can do it too in other ways. What about the idol of comfort? I just want to have an easy day for once. I don't care what you do. Just leave me alone. You know, so we don't discipline and we don't take control of things and we don't help. And you're, you're going to take a picture. Okay. Um, so it's easier to just let it go. I don't care. I just want an easy day. Um, how about um, the idol of just being self-centered? I, would you knock it off? <laughs> how I plan my day is what I want to do. And I may run my kids ragged. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the mall all day, or I wanted to go out with my girlfriends, or I wanted to go do this and that and the other thing. And I don't care what my kids needed. That's what I wanted to do. Um, idol of respect. These kids are going to respect me if I got to beat it into them. And they are going to listen to me, and they're going to do what I tell them to do, and they're going to respect me. Um, idol of approval. I want other parents to think that I'm a really great parent, and I want them to look at me and go, wow. She's awesome. Um, and what about an idol of success? I want my kids to be super students or super athletes or super successful in their job or super duper whatever you want to put in the blank. So two ways you know if something has become an idol. Ask yourself, how do I respond when I don't get that thing? When I don't get control, when I don't get my easy day that I thought I was going to have, how am I responding? If I'm sinning, if I'm having a tantrum, then that's probably showing me that that thing has become way more important than loving the Lord and loving my children. Second way to know is what are you willing to do in order to get that thing that you want so badly? So will I let my kids just run wild so that I can have an easy day? Will I push them to be in sports? Will I push them to do this thing so that they'll be successful in my eyes? Um, so, in fact, I'll, yeah. I'll just because I just noticed mm-hmm. it's eight thirty. Yeah, it um, is. Okay, so we're gonna. If you need to head out, you need to head out. But maybe ten minutes here. Okay, so here's the thing for me: when our kids were young, um, I. As a dad, I was looking forward to the time where we'd be able to do sports events with our kids. I loved sports. That's why the only reason I thought school was for it was you had to do other stuff, but then there were sports. And all of a sudden, it was I realized when our kids were really young, they got their mom's jeans. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry, but she would say it. True. And that's not just going to be my life. And I'm very serious about this. I had to wrestle with it for a while. I was looking forward to the day when maybe Luke could play football or run track or play baseball or go to basketball games. That just didn't happen. They wanted to go to the library. (laughs) And people would go to the library as punishment. (laughs) Wasn't it? (laughs) Totally. And then I came to learn, who cares? Who cares? I want my kids to love the Lord. And if that means making movies or in theater or in something I didn't ever do or didn't know how to do or wouldn't be able to help them with, full bore. Full bore. That's where we're under construction. So I want to leave this at this. Let me ask you, as a parent, or maybe even if you're not a parent in your own life right now, what is something going on in your life that is an idol in you? Or as a parent that is an idol? Calm? Peace? Listen, the Lord wants obedience of your children, but that can actually become an idol in the wrong kind of way. I just ask you to consider that. We're under construction, right? Got the hats. All right, last thing we're going to jump ahead to. Uh, The second set of drawings is our children are under construction. This will go pretty quick here. Three truths we want to let you know about. Number one, they are created by God. They are created by God. Listen to this from Psalm 139. The Lord says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. By the way, that's not an arrogant, fearfully and wonderful, like I'm awesome. That's like you're awesome. Uh, Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Listen, your child, even when they act like the devil... They were created by God in his image. Got the second one. And that's the good part, right? The hard <laughs> part is they're also been cursed by sin, just like all of us have been. Romans 3.23, you know it well, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They're not just sinners because they sin. They're sinners by nature. When, when Adam and Eve fell in the, in the garden, we were all cursed with sin. I never had to teach my children to yell, no, me, or mine. It just came naturally to them. They are cursed by sin. Listen, and that part of that means, why do we expect our children to get it? I'll just say, why do we expect the world to act like they believe in Christ and follow Christ? That's such bad theology on our part. Why do we expect our kids to act like mature 
individuals in Christ. We're growing them there. Created by God, cursed by sin, third thing, called to life in Christ. Same thing for us adults, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. They need to know Christ. Let me give you two verses that fit with this, I think, as well. Luke 2, 52. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is referring to when Jesus was kind of, this is like the verse describing Jesus' boyhoodness, okay, as he's growing. Uh, he increased and in, he increased, and can you imagine the second person of the Trinity matured in? The, uh, that's another conversation. But there's four things, mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Know this, your task with your child is not just spiritual. It's not just physical. It's not just mental, it's not just social, it's all four of them. If you really want to know what, what should I start working with my kid, you got four of them right there. In fact, I could suggest this, what we used to do when our kids were younger. Take all four and have one for each kid. Or maybe the same one for all the kids, for all 12 of them. <laughs> okay, and, and, and so you're not, just, you're not just raising a mental giant, you're working spiritually, you're working with them physically, you're working with them socially. That's, if, if that's how Jesus had to develop, I think that would probably be a good pattern for our kids uh, with that. Luke 2.52. And, and here's just another example stated by Paul as an adult. I like this. 1 Corinthians 13.11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. That's kind of the whole idea of Ephesians 6, 4, raising our children up from thinking like a child, reasoning like a child, acting like a child, growing up in maturity as a man, as a woman, right? In Christ for God's glory with that. So you and your child are under construction. And how you see your child in your parenting matters. Listen to me. If you carry the theology, I'm calling it that on purpose, the theology that your child is a blossoming flower, in other words, they have all good within them, you just need to provide an environment for the good to come out. Think about it. You will raise your kids in a certain way. That will be the objective. Scripture says they're created by God, but I'm telling you, man, they are born with it, sin, right? I mean, it just comes right out of them. And instead, they are cursed by sin, and we're seeking to raise them unto the Lord. We're seeking to mature them. Listen, you can't even mature a child or a teen in Christ if they don't know the Lord. If they don't know the Lord, you are always in an evangelism development process with them. Until they come to the Lord, they don't have the Spirit of God within them to be able to even mature in Christ. And knowing where they're at and knowing the philosophy is so very, very important. If you see your child is created by God, cursed by sin, and called to life, you will parent accordingly. Well, let's uh, finish. The goal of parenting uh, to raise up your child, to leave home equipped to handle life biblically, equipped to see life biblically. Uh, there's a period of time for that that you have. Let's just say this. You have 18 years. 20, 22, kind of depends how it goes. But I'm telling you, by the time they're 18, things have to be changing. You only have so much time. 
And maybe you're even in a place to where it's like, you know what? Um, I haven't been parenting too well, so I only have five years left. Hey, listen to me. You have all the hope in the world because you have a God that loves them and they need to see a mom. They need to see a dad that loves the Lord and you growing and changing. Hang in there. Press ahead. Keep going. All right. Let's finish. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take your hat home. And I want to challenge you to use this as a conversation piece. Uh, Take it home with the kiddo, if you have kids at home, and somehow they're going to ask, Mom, Dad, what was that about, right? Hey, you have an opportunity right there to be able to communicate. Now, we're going to talk more tomorrow about what that looks like. Tomorrow is about the practicality of it. But you have an opportunity to have a conversation. And know this, if it's a five-year-old, you have a five-year-old, like, 10-second conversation. Right? Don't preach at them. Don't sit them down and go, I got five points to give to you. Okay? No, 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 no. Don't do that to your teen either in that. We'll be talking more about what that looks like tomorrow. But seriously, I might encourage you to use this tonight and tomorrow as a conversation piece with your child. Tonight is about the blueprint. If you don't see who you are, who your child is, and what the Lord has done and is calling us to do and to be, I'm telling you, tomorrow is irrelevant. Because tomorrow then just becomes, I'll tell you this, anybody can be doing the principles that we're going to be talking about tomorrow, saved or unsaved. But theologically, it matters grand difference on what happens when you are reaching your heart, a child's heart with these things. I'm telling you, the principles we're going to talk about work for a pagan. And they come out of Scripture. God's that cool. But we're not building moral children. We're building God-worshipping children. And they have to make the choice, but we're shepherding them to that. We're giving them every reason to make that choice. Okay? Here's how we'd like to close. We'd like to pray over you. Okay? So, um, Karen's going to start, and she's going to pray over the women. Moms, grandmas, single ladies. If you don't have kids, you don't, whatever. Karen's going to pray over the ladies here, and then I'm going to finish and pray over the guys, all right? Can we do that? God, I just come before you now on behalf of all the moms, the women, the grandmas, the aunts, the nieces, the sisters that are in this room tonight, Lord. God, would you help us to examine our hearts, to lay ourselves before you, to pray Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart and know me. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, would you do a work in our hearts tonight before we ever turn our focus to the children in our lives? God, help us to have hope that you are the perfect parent 
And that as we walk with you and follow you and strive hard after you, you will help us as we parent our children. You will guide us. You will love us. You will give us the wisdom that we need. And Lord, when we fall and when we fail, which we will many, many times, your grace covers even that. And we thank you for that, God. So Lord, I just commit these women to you tonight in your name. Oh, and Lord, I pray for the men in this room. And as Karen said, I pray for the, the, the dads, the husbands, the uncles, the brothers, the grandfathers. Oh, God, I pray for these men. Pray for myself in this. Oh, God, we are a nation that needs strong men, loving men, shepherding, equipping dads who love their kids, who see that the investment in their children is more important, more eternal than any hobby, than any career, than anything else. And it's not that those aren't important or aren't part of life at all, but oh God, I just pray men who would just be at that place where they would not be just lazy, but they would be engaged Oftentimes, us guys, Lord, you know it. We struggle to know what in the world do I do with my kid? (laughs) I pray for wisdom. Because you say if we lack it, you will give it. And so, God, we lack it. I ask for it. I pray for grace in homes. From parents, spouses with each other, from parents to children that our homes would be different. And Lord, I'm sure in homes right now that are in this room, there's some heartache and there's some hard times and, and even maybe tonight looking and, and frustrated with ourselves. But you're the shepherd. You're the one. It's not a formula. It's not a golden ticket. It's the day in, day out. Parents under construction raising kids that are under construction. Would you help us? We know you want to. Help us to bring you in it. Thank you, Father, for stepping into our world, for allowing your Son to go to the cross for us. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray.